Welcome, friends, back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this Thursday, early evening, late afternoon. What is it that we even call 5 o'clock, Tracy Pearson? Tracy, how are you? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, you know, fires are raging, the world's ending, but I'm good. Yeah, all right. Happy and healthy. You know, can't yeah. really complain. Um, you know, breathe in a little bit more smoke than you're used to. Uh, tar in your lungs a little bit more. But You know what's kind of ironic, though? You wear that mask out. Well, not ironic, but you wear the mask out, and you don't breathe the smoke when you're That's, outside. Hey, you get you get double the value, right? Double, double the value, completely. We don't want to make light of uh, the fires. They're very scary. Uh, but the only thing to do when you're facing a dystopia is make weird jokes and laugh past the graveyard. So that's what we're doing. That's what exactly. This is dystopia all yep. all the way. I, I was trying to explain to my children how unusual this moment in history is, but I, I don't think they get it. No, no, I don't think there's anything. I, I think this is the this moment in time is only going to be best reflected upon. Like it's uh, w- hopefully we're here to look back on it at some point. Um, but I did ask you an important question in my preamble. And I do want to know, because staring at the time right now, five o'clock, do we consider it evening? Do you consider it afternoon? Talk to me about five o'clock. Are you going by what the color of the sky is? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So the reason I bring it up is because I was, you know, considering the fact that it does seem to be getting darker since we have um, fire in the skies yes. earlier. Um, but five o'clock, I never know what to do with it, you know, because sometimes you can eat dinner. Like if you're especially old, you can eat dinner at five o'clock, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but is it evening? I've always understood traditionally evening to start at 6 p.m. Uh, you know, it's always been why are we talking about this? But I'll, I'll gladly do it. Um, it's always been my favorite time of day. Just yep. twilight kind of areas. Uh, so any time heavenly from, shades or, of night are falling, uh, it's twilight time. Best time to take photos. Just yeah. everything. So four, so four thirty to six thirty, somewhere in there. So I consider that I consider it early evening because it has more of a feel of evening than it does of the afternoon. I love it. I love it. Are you writing a book? What I mean? No. Okay. No, no, uh, just, um, you know, it's it's important as, again, you're facing a dystopia to focus on minutia and keep your mind off things. So here I am doing that. And that's, uh, why, we're, and that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this show. <laughs> so let's find minutia. some let's find some very important minutia to focus on. Tracy, college basketball season. You oh, can by the way, too, it. just so you all know, we're we're this is Friday. We're just yeah, talking about sure. any other no, 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 any yeah. other day that was five p.m. Yeah, yeah. Not, when, not when it, actually, no, no. It's it's whatever day you're listening to this. That's when we recorded it, everyone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Hope the world doesn't end by tomorrow morning. <laughs> that would be a hell of a time to record a podcast. God, how? What am I in a great mood? Okay. Yeah, I need some more. I'm, I'm usually I'm forward. the one really bringing the darkness, and I would say yeah. you're about an equal partner right now. Yeah, you know, I, I have it in me. It just, and it comes out a lot. I just, I got to balance you most of, the, yeah. most of the time. But let me just have a few more. I'm doing four roses. That's my sipping bourbon. So let me have a few more sips and I'll be okay. Okay, good. Yeah, take a big gulp. Um, 
And let's talk about college basketball because uh, we are at the point where you can almost taste it if it was a normal year. Um, but it's not a normal year. Uh, the NCAA is going to be releasing probably their intentions for what the college basketball season is going to look like from a scheduling perspective here in the next week or so. Is that what we're anticipating? That's what they're – that's uh, – yeah. Uh, September 16th is kind of the due date. Um the general feeling, the last I checked, things change, was that it, it was going to be a plan for the college basketball season with the season probably starting November 25th with the run-up starting late October. Which but is about have, three weeks-ish later than what it would have been. Yes. But we have no idea what that's going to look like, uh, what non-conference is going to be like. Um, it's going to absolutely be some kind of bubble mini bubble Samaria and we can't even say bubble because that implies everyone's locked down in it uh we'll say pods um on in some basis I have no idea what they'll do in terms of non-conference we'll find this all out on the 16th and the ACC coaches just threw out something and I seem to remember that theory where did I where did I hear that theory of a whole game tournament uh, so I, I haven't told you this, um, but the ACC actually reached out to me um, as a consultant um, with regard to their um, plan for the postseason that they released this week. So, yes. I mean, that's just how so Coach K, Coach, hey, it, Coach K reached out. Exactly. Um, Dave, what do you think? Well, I don't – honestly, their idea, I, I don't know what the merits are. What they need to do is propose that, but with – a World Cup plan. That's what it needs to be. If you're going to make everybody eligible for a tournament, don't just do a tournament. Don't just start with, like, whatever, 256 teams and then just keep going. No. You do this World Cup style. So you have we, pools. We got to have group stages. Okay? We do a bunch of pods around the country. Um, four teams per pod. Something like that. Six teams per pod. Whatever you want to do. Uh, they play for a week or two. And then you come out with your 64 team tournament right this won't be that yes. hard you can do yes. it yeah um and it could be uh very good actually to do especially the initial stages locally you know keep them within your region so you got a pod with ucla usc pepperdine long beach state whatever you know you understand you get it and yeah. then whoever you play a little round robin like exactly. a group in in the World Cup. Let's go. If you're going to make the World Cup analogy, we'll we'll go with that. So it's a group like Group A, Group, group B. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. And there there won't be enough letters, so we're going to have to pick a different <laughs> scheme. Um, but that's fine, you know. Uh, but yeah, you do the group stages, and then you just advance to a 64 team tournament. It's not. And gonna, then, it's going to be great. Then, and then that eliminates that has to eliminate some of the regular season eliminates the conference championships. I think it would at least eliminate the conference championships. Like I think you could do away with that. If everyone's eligible, it actually eliminates the purpose for a lot of those conference championship games or tournaments. Huh. Um, so yeah, just do it. That's fine. It's a weird year. Um, you're not going to have necessarily the amount of non-conference games. You're not necessarily going to have all of your games go off the way they should. So just let everyone in. Do something really weird and fun, and uh, if it works out and it's a lot of fun, which I think it would be, honestly, I think this would be really, really cool. Uh, but if it if it works out and it's fun, you can do it again in the future. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. You just go back to your tournament. Yeah. But this is a weird year, so let's get weird. It'll be fun. 
that's I think that's basically kind of the theory is this is a weird year. I mean, really, so that, that's what the ACC. So let's let's do something offbeat and weird to you know grab some attention. Yeah, I, I think it that's could be a lot of fun, is. and it gets yeah. um, it gets eyeballs out there. I think it gets everyone involved in some way with their teams this year because there's some leagues where they might not start uh, for a long time. Like, uh, you know, we're, we'll talk probably about the Pac-12 in just a few minutes, but um, there's some news that's come out with regard to Pac-12 testing that, you know, they might be able to get off a little bit earlier than otherwise would have been expected, but they also might not. You know, things might get weird in California again. Things might get bad in terms of the coronavirus uh, in various states, and those leagues and the you know, based in these certain states, might not be able to start a season until January or mid-January or February even. Yeah, um, I can't see it. I think the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 will join in. It, I think so too. But, yeah. but like, I don't know about, uh, you know, random Colonial League. Maybe they have to sit it out. Whatever. You know what I mean? There yeah. could be some league out there that has to, you know, start up in mid-January. They don't get a lot of games under their belt. And under no circumstances would more than one of those teams ever be involved in the NCAA tournament unless you make it a fair and equitable situation where everyone gets in because it's a weird year. Teams are going to have to forfeit weird games. Guys are going to be out with, with sickness at inopportune moments um, or quarantined in inopportune moments. And uh, to make it all kind of even out and uh, and uh, be a little bit fairer in the long run, let everybody in. Let it all be a weird thing, and uh, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think so too. I, I, I generally agree. Uh, I mean, I, I think UCLA is going to have a really good team, so I'd like to see them win the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> totally. Yeah, but I I think it for a good team, it only it only provides you a chance to get upset, right? Yeah. Really. Um. So I just thinking about that, but I mean, for the sport overall, it would probably generate a lot of excitement when. So, so many different sports so far have just not generated a lot, a lot of excitement. Like football this weekend starts. It's the, you know, the ACC and the Big 12. And Dave, do, do you care? I don't. Um, I actually, I tried to watch, I, so I didn't try to watch anything this past weekend. Um, I tried to watch Navy BYU uh, on Monday and I got through maybe a minute, two minutes. Um, and then I was just like, I. I just don't care. And I mean, some of it is my own, you know, I've really only watched, I don't really watch much besides the Pac-12 because, you know, it's our job. Um, yeah. So watching like the the teams that UCLA is actually going to play um, is much more important. And the way that works out is the only time slot where I'm really ever available to watch other leagues is the morning slot, which is usually filled with bad games. So I'm not super familiar with any of these teams, and at my advanced age of 34, that means I don't care. Like if I don't, if I'm not familiar with the team, I really just can't do it. I'm not like um, you know how some people are fans of like I'm a fan sports. of football, I'm a just fan sports. of sports. I'm just gonna watch sports, uh, whatever sports are on, I'm gonna watch them. I don't do that. Like I, I've got two small children. There's no way I can do that. Um, so if it's not something I'm super invested in, it's just not worth the. The sacrifice of time. Some of the guys on our on our forums. I mean, I I'm in awe of them. How much they know about each individual sport. Uh, yeah. It's they are sport consumers, and, and I respect it. But I'm just not I do that. too. I'm not that yeah. at all. And as you get old, I mean, I was more so when I was 
Like a typical, when I was in early 30s, I'll call you early, early 30s. Um, I, I would, a typical Saturday would be, of course, the UCLA game, all the Pac-12, but then a number of the biggest games around, around the country, right? That I, I legitimately had interest in to where I would watch majority of the game. As I got older, and even with this job, I guess maybe because I had to concentrate more on Pac-12, I became really more and more disinterested in games from around the country. And I I think it's a thing. I think that's what happens to you. I was, you know what, here's the other thing. Basketball, I'm good. Uh, I can watch some big time, because you know why? Two hours, I'm in and out. Yeah, that's the thing, is the time commitment to sit around and watch, like, your average ACC game. Because that's really what we're talking about here. Like, yeah, I talk a good game. If Alabama and LSU are playing, yeah, I'm probably watching. You know, I'm turning on the TV and I'm going to watch. Yeah, yeah. But if Syracuse and Georgia Tech are playing, hell no. Like, under no circumstances am I wasting a second on that game. I'm not going to, and certainly, like, commit to it. Like, sit there and watch, like, a quarter and be like, oh, i got to watch the rest of this thing. It's getting kind of interesting. Four hours of ACC football? Get out yeah. of here. I'm not and that's that. And that's the funniest thing about the, the matchups this weekend. So everyone's looking forward. College football. Woohoo! Excited. The headliners, Duke versus Notre Dame. Oh, my God. At least the ACC has a couple of games, right? The Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma. Who's Oklahoma playing? They're playing Missouri State. I mean, how anticlimactic. It, they, I mean, if you were really going to plan this, you should have just rescheduled some games and made some big hitters that first weekend because I don't want to watch Oklahoma, Missouri State. And and here's the real kicker there. You'd have to pay 55 bucks to watch that one because it's pay-per-view. Oh, right. And the other, so there's something, Texas Tech is playing something called HBU. I don't even know what that is. Let's look that up. What is HBU? I don't know. And I'm not going to look it up. I don't want to because I'm not going to watch it. Houston Baptist Jeez. University. And so, yeah, I, I mean, and not to go negative, because like, I think a lot of you are probably going to watch this stuff and really enjoy it because it's football. And yeah, but that's just not, that's not my deal. Um, so anyway, well, I guess my, my big thing there is I'm really desperate for um, uh, Pac-12 sports that I care about to start up again. So, Dude, talk- it's an FCS team. Wow. I thought they had canceled their seasons. Houston Baptist. God, uh, people are going to just go on the forum and say, wow, you guys are not college football fans if you don't know about Houston. This is like, you got to admit, at least every couple of years, there's a team that you hear about in college basketball that's a D1 college, and you go, I've never heard of that school, right? Yeah, Yeah, Houston Baptist is definitely not a school I've heard of. That never happens with football, but – yeah. Were they named something else before that we know? It's got to be something like that, right? Oh, all right. Let's look up the history of Houston Baptist University. <laughs> all right. So this is a private Baptist university in Sharpstown, Houston, Texas. Uh, I think it's always been wow. Houston Baptist. Wow. I know. Yeah. See, I'm, they only joined the Southland Conference in 2013. Prior to that, I, they were in the Great West. I want people to put on the forum if there are people out there that watched the Houston Baptist 
Texas Tech game from beginning till end on Saturday. I want a running diary. Can somebody, like, give me... No, we're buying this guy a drink. We're going to take him out when we can to a bar, and we're buying this guy a drink. Wow. I mean, this is... This is... This is amazing that you would watch that game. Yeah, I, I, I... I can't fathom it. I cannot. Do you feel the same way about professional sports? Because we've been getting into it on the basketball board. So here's the interesting thing: is I way I totally enjoy college sports more than professional sports, but I will passively watch professional sports in a way that I don't really do with college. It's a weird counterintuitive thing, but I have passively watched a few NBA games. Passively means you're not really watching. You're like, doing something else just, and it's but like, on. But back. I turn it on. Like, I would never have even thought to turn on Central Arkansas, right? On yeah. last Thursday night. But I'm like, yeah. oh, the Lakers are on. Okay, I'll put that on and just have it on when I'm doing other stuff. And I'll watch a few minutes here and there throughout kind of the whole thing. And I've done that a few times with NBA games. And I'm sure I'm going to do it with NFL games. Like, just have them on. And you know, I wouldn't do that with uh, uh, Texas Tech HBU. Like, I'm not going to have that on. What do I care? Yeah. Um, so I guess my passing familiarity with enough of the professional players is what invests me a little bit more there than my complete unfamiliarity with like basically anybody on Texas Tech's roster, except for, right. I guess, no, Jake, did Jake Burton go there? Or was it Baylor? Uh, he went to Baylor. Somebody went to Texas Tech. Oh, it was the Arizona linebacker, Colin Schooler. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think that's what it is. Like the fact that Norman Powell went off for the Raptors last night. Like I tuned in for a few minutes. Cause, okay, that's cool. I want to see that. You know, I know that guy. Um, I think that's the thing with professional sports is that I know some of the players still. So even my, like, I don't have a real team in NBA or NFL or any real interest in like the format with which they're playing. Like, especially the NFL. Like I, I, I truly think the NFL is a inferior product to college football. Um, yeah. but I guess just the familiarity with the players makes it more interesting to me than out of conference college football. Yes, absolutely. Out of conference college football. I mean, every year before, or even uh, that first Saturday, I'd be so hyped up and I go, I'm watching that 9am game. And I last about 15 minutes. I go, okay, you know what? I need to pace myself this season. It's always some like awful big 10 game. And we won't have that this year, thankfully, but it's always like Iowa playing, like, whatever, uh, you know, it's like Iowa, Michigan, 9 a.m. Who, who, no, I don't want to watch another 10-7 game. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. What this is emphasizing in my mind, too, this weekend is one thing I really just don't like are, and I, I are, you know, elite high major teams, you know, power five teams just playing those cupcake schedules. I mean, I hate I hate it every year. I, I think it's a joke, and I, I I know that the the cupcakes need the money, you know, to play those games. But man, that is that's just about the worst thing you I, right now in this context. It, it's really prevalent for me because of this weekend. I I got a little excited. I want to watch college basketball. And I'm all, what are these? I I, I don't want to watch these games. You yeah. know, so. Damn, they should just get rid, rid of all those cupcakes. Because, again, again, it's a three-and-a-half-hour investment as opposed to I can watch a cupcake basketball game because it's two hours. You're in, you're out, you know? And that's how I am with the NBA. I'll watch 
the first quarter through about halfway through the second quarter, then I'll pick it up at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> yeah. And not much has really happened. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. I mean, we got into it on the forum, and I'm not going to bring it up again, but I'm not a fan of where the NBA has gone and style of play. I don't, I don't blame the players. I don't blame the coaches. They're playing a style that is, you know, they're money-balling this. They're optimizing how they can win. They don't care if it's ugly. They don't care if it's pretty. It's because of, you know, how the NBA has evolved rules-wise and mostly the three-point shot, right? So there are teams that play within this style that I just can't – it's so hard for me to watch. It's just – it's a three-point shooting bonanza with all five guys sitting beyond the three-point arc. There are other teams that don't do that and still pass the ball and move. Like – Friggin' Jimmy Butler. Have you ever watched Jimmy Butler play? That guy just yeah. is looking to set screens, pass the ball. I'll watch him anytime. And actually, the Lakers are watchable to me, mainly because Anthony Davis is such a beast. And secondly, if there's any guy in the league who should be taking guys off the dribble almost whenever he touches the ball, it's LeBron James because the guy's just too big and too good. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... So there are, I, I just want a, a little asterisk in our little conversation My, on the basketball so, board. So having passively watched the NBA more this year than I've probably watched it in many years, I don't have the same complaints. I think my one – Guys taking advantage of the refs is more my like watchability concern because um, I think and I think it is another inefficiency that's been exploited, um, particularly by guys like James Harden. But it's it makes for unwatchable clunkiness at times where it's just uh, it slowed to a halt because we're just you know watching foul shots, um, watching guys you know basically flail their arms to get fouled. Um, and the last two minutes of games have become just an absolute chore to watch, um, or a lot of them have because of um, all the replay stuff, which I really don't. They they can't replay as much as they're replaying in in basketball. Um, it's got to be like maybe one or two specific situations, but like replaying fouls and stuff. It's just this is bleh, yeah, just yeah, just ugly, ugly ends of games. I don't have as much problem with the usage of the three-point line, the way analytics have shifted kind of the emphasis. Um, it's changed the game. I I, I don't want to say it's better or worse. It's just changed. How about uh, this? We came, we came upon the conclusion, really smart people, to just make the court bigger and move the three-point line back. They should have done that years ago because um, yeah. the guys are so much bigger and faster. And so stronger. much bigger. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, they should make the uh, – I think you could keep the, the you know, the, the kind of – uneven three-point line where it's still kind of flat in the edges um, oh, sure. but yeah you got to expand the court you got to make everything a little bit out there a little bit more because even the three-point line even with the flat edges push it out two feet because um, a lot of these guys have way deep range now um and yeah see that's that's the thing when they first instituted the three-point nobody, could, Reg- no, nobody could hit it like five Reggie guys could, were any good at it right reggie miller there were a few guys and that's what it should be it shouldn't be where the entire league can shoot. And then on the other hand, it's kind of like a, a drug where guys who can't shoot are doing it. Well, it's, right? a, it's an inefficiency in the rules because, and I yeah. think this was pointed out in that thread, but it's not 150% harder than a two-point shot. Right. Um, exactly. And in some ways, uh, in certain situations, it's a lot easier. Um, yeah. So I think that is um, 
something they're going to have to do, but it requires, a, a you know, and that requires some structural changes. It requires some new thinking about everything. Um, but the NBA is a relatively, um, other sports are more stagnant. Uh, the NBA, I think, will eventually get there because it is. You think so? It's more inclined to make rules changes. Um, huh. So I would anticipate that at some point because these guys are just getting See, they're but so is, big this, and so yeah. quick, all of them, that it's just too easy for them to get all over that court. And also, it gets too clunky. Um, yeah, yeah so. it looks like they're playing on like a, a, like a mid-schooler's court. Yeah. You know, because they're so big. But here's the thing. The, the NBA, as is every league, is all about the money. And the money is about creating stars. That's how they learned in the 80s to market the NBA. Um, if you make a bigger court... Does that minimize how many stars you're creating? I don't think it does, but they might perceive it as that. I don't think it would. Um, maybe it will require some meaningful um, issues that start to develop. The thing is, um, I think you can make a fair argument um, that analytics um, have ruined baseball um, as a sport. Uh, it's basically like, honestly, I think of baseball almost as a solved game now. You know how, like, chess is a solved game? Like, that's what it feels like now, where um, every move these guys are making is dictated by just such a wealth of statistics, and they turn out to be right. You know, these insane shifts that you used to only see for, like, one or two guys, now basically every player has some sort of shift on for him based on his patterns of hitting the ball. Isn't it amazing, too, when you see that shift and you're going... Oh come on! And oh, it's always on. and it's hit right and to the guy. Always right. And so I, if then I it's, were a, if I were a hitter, I'd go. You know what? I'm going contrary. I'm shifting up. I'm but that's the thing is, it's, it's hard for them to do that because you've, you've learned a they way to do, do something, and then it's just you yep. can't really break out of it. And then that's probably part of why everything has become home run strikeout because well, I can't really hit a ground ball anymore because where's it going to go? Um, so now I'm just going to swing for the fences or strike out. Um, yep. and that's become a part of it. Pitchers are getting way too efficient with what they're doing. So they're, they're throwing just certain pitches in certain areas. And when they miss, it's, you know, it's a long bomb, but, um, they're getting a ton more strikeouts and it's, it's just made for a much less watchable game. The NBA maybe proactively could decide, well, okay, are there, are these inefficiencies because of problems with our rules? And if there are problems with our rules or the structure of our game, can we solve them? You know, can we make it a more even, um, you know, distribution of power depending on where you are? Like if you're, um, you know, beyond the three-point line, it's currently worth three points. Well, it should still be worth three points, but should it be a harder shot? You know, all those kinds of yeah. things that could make it a more um, even game so that you could once again have – a variety of different strategies because with the way the game looks now, if you did have a true back to the basket post, it might be worth it to throw it into him only if you had a, a little bit more space and B um, a little bit less efficiency on the three point shot. Because right now, even giving it into Shaq with the way guys can shoot from the three point line wouldn't necessarily be an efficient call. Right. Um, because no, it is. It all, it really isn't. Because, because he well, because well, even hitting, even hitting, yeah, exactly. Even hitting 65% from the field, um, you know, even just weighing that, regardless of the fouls against guys who can hit 40% from three, uh, it quickly becomes a tough math game. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Did you, did you see the Did you see the football game last night? The Atlanta Braves scored four. <laughs> yeah, twenty nine nine. Holy crap, man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, that's another thing. Major League Baseball ain't changing that <laughs> because well, that baseball that got headlines. Baseball is tougher has a tougher uh, thing to work out because there's just so many moving parts and there are so many rules. And the way you would do it is um, dictating the way people can play, which is a tough thing to do. Like, you'd have to do something like the shortstop can't range out of this area, the second baseman can't range out of this area, and so on and so forth to, like, defeat the shifts. But I don't think you're putting the the genie back in the bottle or the, you know, putting everything back in Pandora's box with regard to, like, the pitch FX stuff where you can see exactly how a pitch is moving and you can like the insane ability to scout um, opposing pitchers and opposing hitters. uh, That's not going anywhere. So um, that's where it gets difficult with baseball with basketball. I think it's still so much of a flow sport that you only have to tweak a couple of things again. And I don't know if the NBA really needs to be tweaked. I think a lot of people really like the sport as it is, but I think if you're thinking proactively and you know, where this thing might be headed, it might be good to just make a few tweaks now that'll keep the sport in in very good health going forward. How many people just are right now saying, talk about UCLA. What are you guys doing? We we don't what, give a what, crap. What the hell are we even going to say about UCLA? You love this, people. You love it. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm really, no. But I don't. I don't know why, why they would. All right, let's um, talk about UCLA. Let's talk about okay. a former UCLA player uh we just talked about the nfl uh okay. you wrote a little a little piece about uh our good friend josh rosen i know uh, how to piss people off don't i yeah man you bring up josh rosen in today's times and uh, it's gonna piss some people off you know i didn't i didn't yeah you're right i didn't get that yeah um, it's always been a thing uh since you know or midway yeah. through his college career but uh josh rosen um was released by miami is that right Dolphins? Yes. Yeah, yes, released yes. by Miami, um, which signals not the end of his NFL career because I think he was immediately picked up somewhere else, but uh, the end of the high point um, because now he's really going to have to work for it and he could very well be out of the league within a year or two if he doesn't um, figure some things out. Uh, this is really – it remains incredibly shocking to me um, that he has um, not – basically been a full-time starter at any real point um and has been passed over and also uh evaluated really harshly um by a lot of his coaching staffs and i thought you made the point well in in your piece but i i think it behooves emphasizing he's been in some of the worst damn situations uh since he entered the nfl of anyone you can think of and not well, first say- off bef- before anyone starts saying we're just like making excuses for him. Oh, I am. Yeah. 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 I know. But let's just get this out of the way too. O- obviously if, if Josh had really stepped up and really won a spot and just really did well at St. Louis and Miami, right. He wouldn't be, uh, there is that, let's just say there's that element. But on the other hand, he has had a little bit, he has gotten into some bad situations. I mean, going from Arizona to Miami, literally the two worst offensive lines in 
pro football two years in a row. Um, I, I mean, Miami's uh, time of pressure was 2.2 seconds. That was their average. You can't you can't do anything with that. I mean, I watched. I didn't watch a lot of Miami last year, but I did watch Arizona the year before, and damn, he was. It was like a wave just breaking on him most of the time. And we do know that he will be good if he gets time. He's got. He's a smart kid. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. I while yes, you want to say well, he just hasn't lived up to how good he could be. He still also hasn't had an ideal situation in which to prove himself yet. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's true. Um, so, okay. So let's let's just a brief run through, run through the whole thing. So if you're being uncharitable, you could, I won't say it's right, but you could make the argument that Josh Rosen peaked as a rising senior in high school. You could be uncharitable and say that. I think that is wrong. But I think you could make that assessment at this point just because of the circumstances that have played out. Um, But I still go back to UCLA versus Virginia, his first game as a college player, when he played like one of the, I don't know, best quarterback games I can remember. Like as a true freshman playing in that Mazzoni offense, which we all had disagreements with and didn't think was the best thing in the world, but was certainly better than anything he got handed in any of the years he's played since. Um, and I don't think it's a shock that that was his best season, probably as a player. I think, I think, I think Jed fish had a good offense for him, but he didn't have players. He didn't have the offensive line. I mean, he didn't didn't have have the offensive line. Yeah. He didn't have the good situation. Um, but I think that Mazzoni scheme, I think he, he played pretty well in that as a freshman. Um, and then he hasn't had an offensive line like that since. Um, and even that year it kind of fell apart. So, yeah, I think he's been. I think he's had some bad situations. I don't think he's necessarily helped himself. Um, I don't think you know. And also, there's a real factor, and this is something I'd have to watch more of him now to see because I haven't really watched much of him since he left UCLA. Um, you know, watched it again passively, watched a couple of games here and there. Uh, playing behind that many bad offensive lines in a row, I don't know how you just kind of don't constantly hear and feel pass rushers. Right. afterwards like i don't know if you can salvage it after basically getting shelled for you know basically his last what year two years at ucla plus the two years in the nfl so i got a story about that so i was i was friends with tom ramsey ex ucla quarterback not great friends but we were friends we kind of had mutual friends so we'd go out a few times uh and, you know we we got to know each other not really close but friends so we were at a bar and uh, we were playing pool. We were getting a little intoxicated, I think. And this is not at UCLA. <laughs> this is later when we were true adults. And um, and we're just, everyone's screwing around. And I don't know, Tom said something. And I came up behind him and bear hugged him from behind. And he freaked out. Out. Is this getting into sex stuff? No. <laughs> no, he really freaked out. He's like, oh my God, God, Tracy, never do that to me. Never, don't, just don't. I go, damn, sorry. He goes, I mean, my whole life, I have nightmares of people coming at me and doing that to me. I see it in my dreams. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I just always wanted to tell that story and he gave me the perfect time. 
Perfect. Yeah, no, and I, I have to imagine that's even for, like, anybody who plays quarterback or, you yeah. know, anybody who's potentially going to take blindside hits, but especially if you've taken a ton of them in yeah. a few years. Um, so, I at this point, I'm not, like, super optimistic that Rosen's going to um, suddenly turn it around and become a great NFL quarterback. I think even if that might have happened at the beginning of his career, I think now it's He's got a few things against him now. One, whatever potential psychological effect the last few years have had on him, uh, which we just talked about. And also, there are biases that, um, you know, uh, uh, teams in the NFL might have against him now. You know, there's certainly some confirmation bias. Well, if he didn't make it work at these places, he's never going to make it work. Um, And that may or may not be true, but... I could see a lot of these kind of dopey NFL front offices operating under that philosophy. And there's also the simple factor where he might not have improved, you know, he might. And I I think he's in a good place to rehab himself too. He's going to be in the same quarterback room with Tom Brady. Um, He'll try to soak that up as much as he can. He's a smart kid that uh, the Buccaneers have all those like Jed fish kind of offensive guru guys. And, if they really know what they're doing, Josh will immediately respect them and start trying to learn. I mean, he might have a pathway literally at the Buccaneers because the two guys, uh, Ryan Griffin, who I also know, <laughs> um, a family friend actually, um, and I can't remember the other backup, but um, he could, you know, those guys are career backups. He could conceivably still, you know, stay there and win that spot. But also, you know, it's kind of a good place to watch the NBA and see if there's an opportunity. Um, but you're right. The clock's, the clock's ticking uh, a bit. Um, but here's the other thing. He doesn't care. He's, he doesn't care about money. He, he doesn't care about money. If it takes him to stay in it and not being paid anything just to prove himself that he can do this, I can see him doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Mr. Rosen. Uh, UCLA football, uh, the actual entity, not just the former players involved, uh, they are offering some guys in 2022. Lots of them. Yeah. Lots of them. And just without regard to time, space, or position. (laughs) Well, it was kind of a thing like um, they they had only offered three guys. So uh, everything was kind of put on hold, 2021 and 2020, 2022. These are the clear guys that, you know, they should have offered. Um, I think after a while, having not offered them, they kind of did this because they were really, really playing into the mystique that, have you noticed every single kid when you interview them says, well, you know, I know UCLA doesn't offer a lot of guys, so it was a big honor to get that offer. Um, they're really playing into that, um, which is, I'm, I'm digressing a lot, but it's really funny that a guy like Chip Kelly, who isn't a guy who's into hype, you know, he just wants to, he's not about, you know, schmoozing. He's not about talking up the media. You wouldn't think he'd be about marketing, you know, types of things and, but he's, you know, remember when we asked him about eight clap eight, one of the uh, writers said, so what is this eight clap eight? Is this, you know, just a, you know, a marketing point? He says, well, it's got you talking about it, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, Chip, 
I think has a little bit of a side to him to see like if he can get a little bit of publicity. That's I think what they're doing with holding off on offering a lot of guys. And then they had this massive eight clap eighth, which wasn't really an eighth on September 1st. Um, and they offered all the guys that they probably should have offered. And regardless of position, just if guys were good enough, had the grades. So it was a little, and guys that they had seen. Um, so it was all almost entirely West coast guys. It didn't necessarily go toward need or, or depth chart at all. Um, because there were very few defensive line offerees and we'll see. I mean, right now, uh, you know, we did a story on the guys. They have a chance. They have a chance with a good chance in, among those 2022 20, guys. And, you know, we've seen this happen with, with Chip. Uh, there are a lot of their five-star and elite four-star guys that until you win, it's going to be really hard to get those guys. I mean, if you're not winning, you're going to have to recruit the crap out of them. And this staff has shown that that's just kind of not their M.O., and since they're not winning, it will be interesting to see how many of these guys they are actually involved in, you know, in a while, in a long time. This is this is not 2021. This doesn't end. This ends February 2022 for this class. So a long ways to go. I think UCLA is going to have to show some success on the field to really be involved seriously with a good number of those guys well that's exciting well you know it takes us back dave where we go back chip kelly he even said it you know you judge a person by his by his record he's seven and 17 and it just really comes we've talked so much about chip kelly's future at ucla he just has to win just gotta win he's gotta win if they have a season in winter he's gotta win if they have a season next fall he has to win. And if he doesn't, I think Chip Kelly would be the first guy to say, yeah, this is over here. <laughs> so he has to win. The fans know he has to win. Everyone knows he has to win. So if he doesn't, it's over. So if he wins, I think they get some of those recruits. He's not going if, to. <laughs> if he doesn't win, they get a new coach, and maybe they have some chance with He's those recruits. So my point is, He's not going to either, w- either way, they might have a chance to some of those 2020 recruits. See, look at that optimism, Dave. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank I think you. in that scenario where he wins a lot of games, yeah, I think things worked out pretty well for him. <laughs> well, yes. Um, so, well. yeah, there we are. Um Big, I mean, everyone should be kind of bracing for next week. Hopefully there's good news when it comes to college basketball, college basketball, because that's, that's what we need to save this whole scenario day. We need college basketball to start and damn, we need with, I mean, what changed it for all of us, seriously, is Chris Smith returning, right? I mean, that changed it all. And not that everything is contingent on him, but that makes UCLA uh, easily, I think, a top 20 national team. Gets UCLA fans something to realistically, uh, you know, have some hope about. Not that you shouldn't have hope about the football season, but that hope would be based on hope, right? 
Yeah, we, we're basing it on substance with basketball. Yeah, yes. Um, and uh, the way they finished last season. So, yes, we all – what we need to wish for in our little wishing ways is uh, uh, a basketball season. Pac-12 bends, starts it right on time with everyone else, November 25th. And uh, the UCLA team uh, is everything we wish it to be. Yes. And think it can be, based off our reasoned analysis and judgment. There you go. Here at David Singleton Report Online. (laughs) Well, I think that was a good place to end because that's such an optimistic, uh, upbeat note to send everyone off. Certainly not the way we started this show, Tracy Pearson. Certainly not the way. No. See, all it took took was a couple of glasses of bourbon, and I'm good. You're great. You're golden. All right. Well, um, you don't have anything else. No. No, I'm so done. Tapped out. All right, so am I. Uh, Well, for Tracy Pearson, uh, the fella with the whiskey, I'm David Woods, Burn Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. Everyone be safe.